Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Take me to the volcano! It's really called this. You have to ask for the vinegar with the mother in it. Oh, come on. Quick I need, no. Seriously. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? And Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 128, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. Yes, it's time for the Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete radio program slash podcast, Thursday, February the 14th, St. Valentine's Day. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for uh, the, the unload and the ready to uh, to do it. We're ready to do it. We have a ton to talk about tonight. I, why do I sound like Phil from Modern Family all of a sudden? We're going to do it. We're going to dunfee it up right here. That guy's career is, we'll talk about it. That guy's career is weird to me. Um, we got a ton to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the Mets. Uh, Fred Wilpon uh, is flush. He is filthy. It's He is, <laughs> I don't pretend to understand his financial situation. He's filthy. Swimming in it. And he wants everybody to know that we're going to start buying players left and right. So we'll, we'll talk about that because that obviously set the Met universe a Twitter. Uh, and we're going to talk about Mike Piazza's book, PED Use, uh, There Within, the PED Conversation. Uh, we're going to continue to have it. You know, Bill Simmons wants us to keep talking about it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, then we're going to talk about the uh, Mariano Rivera, <laughs> which I just love. He knows he's going to retire. He's not telling you. He's not going to tell you. I know, fellas. I don't tell you yet. You wait. So we're going to talk about that. And then the Islanders and the Rangers are playing each other tonight right now as we speak. Um, We have a lot to say about the Islanders. There's all kinds of stuff. And then, of course, uh, PJ probably has been planning his Valentine's Day fun load for months. So there's a lot to talk about here on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for joining us. If you are joining us live... And if you're uh, catching this a couple days later, hey, good luck on the treadmill. Hope it's going good. If you're jogging, pay attention. Please. Uh, If you're working out in any capacity, good for you. You're doing better than me. So let's bring him in. My date for the night. My Valentine. Kel. Mr. Brian. Calneva. Calpino. Cal Cupid. Cal Stradamus. 
he can see the future. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. How are you? Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Look, let's let's get let's just get this out of the way. All right. You believe in it? Do you not believe in it? Do you do you believe in Cupid? Do you what, where, where do you stand on the Valentine's Day? Well, let's I'll put it to you this way. Everybody's asleep in this house right now. So <laughs> that's that's where I stand on it. The girls get pumped up for it though? Yeah, they have fun with it. Get them right. a little get them a little something. Nice. You know what they got? You know what they got this year? I don't know. Tickets to uh a monster truck show. Very close. <laughs> no, they did not. They got uh they each got a couple flowers. No. Took a little what are they, what are they on the bachelor? Yeah, you know. Well I gave them three I gave them three. Three flowers each. Right. And then they were <laughs> then they were kicked out of the house. Which sounds funny, like I gave them three flowers each. I took a I took a half a dozen roses and I split them up. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't randomly pick three flowers from the garden and just say, hey, there you go. You're like, this one will be for the games. Got a couple of times they game. They got some flowers. I got them little stuffed bears. Nice. You know, everybody loves a stuffed bear. Everybody loves a stuffed bear. <laughs> got that. This is, probably, this is probably the greatest time of the year for uh, WFAN promos. Because just listening to Mike Francesa every day tell you about the Teddy Graham or the pajama, the hoodie footy pajama, is just so listening. Listening to him read those promos, Cal, is just so magnificent. Okay, you got the hoodie footy pajamas, all right? Okay, get that for somebody you love. Like, and he's like at one point he's going through the motions. The next point he's not. You know, like he's into it one time when he reads it. Like one time he's totally into it. What are you gonna do? You gonna get some flowers or something? No, can't do it. Get hoodie, footy pajamas. They make this grown man say that. And then, so the thing that my kids were the most excited about, little thing, it's uh, their tat, their temporary mustache tattoos for your finger. <laughs> right. So if you can envision, you know, all different styles of mustache. Like you know the, the the villainous twirly mustache or a very thin John Waters mustache. Right. And <laughs> Is what it they called the John Waters? It's not. But <laughs> then there's the uh, Josh from the current season of Top Chef. Right. That's the curly. Yeah. Curly mustache on the beard. Right. The Lou Brown mustache, which covers your whole mouth. Right. Is there a Hitler mustache in there? I don't know if they called it that. I think I, I think actually in fairness that's now the Michael Jordan. It's my, it might be the Michael Jordan <laughs> because he's somehow tried to bring that back in Haynes commercials. Bad idea. Who's marketing? I don't know. MJ, but, you're you're not that popular. You can't single-handedly bring back the Hitler mustache. <laughs> like you, you were the greatest basketball player of all time, probably. But dude, no one's bringing back the Hitler mustache. Yeah, you got to wonder if it's like a marketing experiment. Right. Like, how popular is Michael Jordan? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's find out. He wanted to see how popular. That's definitely the watermark, too. Right? <laughs> Without a doubt. Like, that's definitely how they test it. Oh, boy. Like, like if, like, uh, you know, Clooney did that, you know, it would be like, let's see how attractive George Clooney is. <laughs> 
Is he attractive and popular enough to pull off the Hitler mustache? Anyway, so they have these Hitler mustaches on their fingers? Yeah, so they put the, 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 the mustache tattoo on their finger, and then they hold their finger up where their mustache would be, and everybody... Oh, I get it now. Everybody has a lot of fun with that, so... Oh, well, that's a blast. So that's the, so to answer your question, that's the extent of our Valentine's Day. We don't really celebrate it. We don't go out. We, pay, we exchange a card. <laughs> no, right. And, uh... Now, will you, will you get out this weekend? Well, here's the thing. It's the wife's birthday on Saturday. Oh, that's right. So we get the double whammy, as I like to call it, which she doesn't like when I call it that. But no, she I, does not. She does not care for that characterization. No, I call it the double whammy. So I don't. So and and no, we still won't get out this weekend. But <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that question is no. We're but, still not going out. No. But, but but we'll 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 celebrate a little bit. Here. All right. So, how was your Valentine's Day? Anything going on over there? Very, very quiet. Quiet. You know, Acknowledge. Oh yes, no, definitely, and a ton of stuff for the little guy. Oh, good. You know, the big card. Teresa got the oversized card. Oh, those are fun for the little guy. I, you know what? I, as a kid, I remember getting those for my mother, like late, for like a Valentine's Day or a birthday, like after the fact. No, but like, oh man, it's mom's birthday tomorrow. Got to get something. Oh, like last minute. That's right. right. We don't have time for a gift. Look, I've made up for it with this enormous card. <laughs> like it was definitely like a, you know, uh, uh, definitely trying to gloss over the fact that I had not shopped for a gift, nor had I done the make it at home thing. Unfortunately, the dead giveaway is the only thing left at the last minute are the enormous <laughs> cards. Especially back then. So that's I'll never. You do. I never forget we got her a uh, Wally and the Beave one. Like it was a picture of like Wally and the Beave for her birthday. It was huge, enormous. It may have been like five feet tall. It was a ridiculous card. And uh, definite last minute, like, oh man. But look how much we care. The card's enormous. <laughs> it was definitely like an overcompensation for the fact that we forgot to get anything in a gift. Uh, but you know what? You still got it. Yeah, it wasn't today. Today for Wes, it was like, this card's bigger than me. This is the greatest card ever. This card's huge. It's bigger than me. That's all he could he could wrap his head around. It was It was the teddy bear on the card, bigger than him. He had a party with it. That's exciting. When, when you're that When you're that small... Larger things are exciting. He, <laughs> yes, and of course, you know his pronunciations and stuff. Ha- happy Valentine! Didn't get ap- out Happy Valentine's Day. It was Happy Valentine today. All right. Well, but that's that's also accurate. Right. Technically, it was, <laughs> it, was it was all one fluid motion. Happy Valentine today. <laughs> it sounded it sounded a little like he was drunk. I'm not gonna lie to you. No. Happy Valentine's Day. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. So we do the card thing. I, too, have the double whammy because I got engaged on February 13th. Right. Right. So uh, yesterday, we sort of celebrate that over Valentine's Day. Okay. Yeah. Not both, though. No. I'm I'm not made of money or candy. I'm not a pinata. I mean, flowers... Yeah, now we I'm do sorry, the whole you thing. Tell, you celebrate the day you got engaged now? We, well, it was uh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, we do. 
You keep bringing it up? We call it the yes, yesiversary. Interesting. All right. Yes, I'm sorry. Yesiversary, we call it. The anniversary of when she said yes. No good? You realize this is just a way for me to get out of Valentine's Day. <laughs> but you're not really getting out of it because yeah, you're still I'd, doing it. Right, but I'd much rather – I don't want to give in to the 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 the, the greeting card people. You don't want to be hallmarked. Wow. Can we trademark that? I think I just did. Hallmarked. That's that's their new ad campaign. Like when you give somebody a card that like they need like in your face cards. <laughs> well, like extreme cards. Extreme cards. I'm gonna be your Valentine whether you like it or not when you open it up. Prepare Hall- to be hallmarked. Hallmarked. <laughs> You've been hallmarked. <laughs> it's your birthday. So have a happy one. Or else. What, what are you, Mark Wahlberg? He comes jumping into the scene. You've been hallmarked. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> I'm serious, chicken. We should do this. You've been hallmarked. <laughs> I love I love that sketch. I still love that sketch. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> to the extreme. You've been hallmarked. Sorry. Sorry to hear about your grandmother, but it happens. Hallmarked. <laughs> I think there's a new line here. Well, let's let's bring in the last uh, the last piece of the puzzle. Look at you! You graduated over there. I, I, I did. Hallmark. <laughs> Hallmark. Look at you! You graduated. <laughs> Cal, that was definitely. You think you're better than me now, don't you? Hallmark. Yeah, you got a college degree and I don't. Big deal. Enjoy it now. Hallmark. Cards with attitude. <laughs> Hi, Peach. Let me just review this again real quick. Happy you guys celebrate your engagement? Yes, we celebrate the day we got engaged. What's wrong with that? I, but it's just, it's never, it's never been brought up here. Ever. It's just that that one just struck me. So it just happened for you guys. Like, you right, don't acknowledge just, the day it that it happened. You done. Do you remember the day you got engaged? No. Sure. You don't remember the date? I do not. Hey, Peach, do you remember the date? Yes. Frantically looking for his date planner. We don't commemorate <laughs> Flipping through pages. Of course I do. Um, boy, that was some pretty good Foley work by me, by the way. Thank that you. was. I just I'd never heard of that. Really? I think I I I do think if it wasn't the day before Valentine's Day, like I didn't make it to Valentine's Day. That's the thing. Like I didn't make it. I we went away for a weekend and it wasn't planned. Uh, uh, on her, she wasn't expecting it or anything like that. And uh, we went out to dinner on the Friday night that we went away, and I just didn't make it. I was trying to wait for Saturday. I was too nervous. Flop sweat everywhere. I look like Mark Rubio. I, Marco Rubio. There's flop sweat everywhere. I'm grabbing for water, and I'm taking out a ring. You can't withstand the cross-examination, even in romance. <laughs> no, I, you may crack under questioning. You may fold. 
what date did you get engaged then, Peach? New Year's Eve. Oh, well, no. of course you're going to remember that. <laughs> you held out like it was like August 23rd. Well, we don't exchange a card about it. Because it's New Year's Eve. We don't we don't look at each other on New Year's Eve and say, "Hey, remember when we got engaged?" It doesn't come up. That's be, that's also because you've been with your wife for 412 years. Yeah, well, yeah. That's I'm I'm counting, you know, as if you were met on a leap year. Right. <laughs> no, honestly, you've been with your your wife since high school. Of course, you don't count when you guys got engaged. You had been engaged for ten years before that. Plus, it was New Year's Eve. Ah, what do you guys do for Valentine's Day, Peach? Nothing. At all? We, it is. It's. Uh, it's almost outlawed. It's almost like angrily at each other. It, you don't. You don't. You don't even mention it. Really? And then, and then, she got me this year. What'd she do? I came home and there was a little red baggie with a gift in it for me. After we said a thousand times, nothing, no gifts, nothing, because I got her on Christmas. You've been together for like twenty-four years. Yeah, we hated it anyway, even when we were dating. Right. Valentine's was a chore. Right. (laughs) But because I got her too much stuff on Christmas, I I think she got me back. Uh And what did you? Hallmark. <laughs> did she have like a really? Did she give you a card with a lot of attitude? She threw it at my head. Does that count? <laughs> Hallmark. Right. Here's your card. Now what? Right. <laughs> Hallmark. <laughs> so what did you get already? My own. Who? You. you. You said there was a bag with the red and the bag and the thing. Oh, I don't know. Chocolate something. <laughs> it's gone like, now, isn't it? You know how to tell a story. Wow. <laughs> it had a shape. I didn't see what it was. I just wolfed it down. <laughs> I'm like Augustus Gloop over here. <laughs> Augustus! I'm sure you have something, speaking of Augustus Gloop, I'm sure you have something very fun planned for us for the fun load. Do you not? I, well, it's it's a it's a it's a game. It's a challenge. Nice. It's called two questions. <laughs> Excellent. You got. Uh, we're we're gonna. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna spring it on you because if I if if yeah, I tell no, you no, now no. that it we'll that get... it under it undercuts the spirit of the contest. Exactly. It's not really a contest. It's just a challenge. <laughs> Will something be won? Integrity. That's right. Well, that's long missing on this show. Actually, I'm more curious about Cal's answers than yours. So you may, you know, you could sit back. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what do you do for the kids? Do you do anything for the kids for Valentine's Day, or is it verboten for them too? Uh, generally, it's a it's a small red box with a Snoopy on it with something inside it, something you would get at CVS. Um, for four ninety nine. <laughs> we don't encourage them getting attached to this holiday at all. Wow. We kinda want them to roll their eyes too. We just don't like it. We think it's kinda dumb. Okay. Well, look. Fair. The kids the kids like it, you know? 
I'm not a huge fan. When they're little, it's cute. Yes. Wesley. Yeah, well, they got little gifts for their entire class. Right, that's fine. Yeah, Danny filled out 31 greeting cards and came home with, like, 250. (laughs) Wow. Right. And uh, And married. Right, and carpal tunnel. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, married. Isn't his birthday uh, nearby here, too? Coming up this weekend. Yes, sir. That's right. I think Danny's birthday may be the same day as Allison's birthday. Is his birthday Saturday? Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Ah, we're off by a day. Off by a day. He just got he just got his certification into the WTF. Oh, come on. Which is the World, World Trade Taekwondo Federation. Federation. Oh. It was Mark Marin? He <laughs> that's what I chose <laughs> the show. He's not allowed yet to listen to Mark Marin, but he's no. a card he's got a card, a little plastic card with a barcode. He's a card-carrying member of the World Taekwondo Federation. My goodness. First, first of all, he's going to be, what, eight? He's going to be eight. What eight-year-old has a card other than a library but, card? Right, other than a Chuck E. Cheese frequent. <laughs> right. I had a skee-ball hero right. card from Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I had a library card, uh, a skee-ball card from Chuck E. Cheese, and maybe like a friendly's fribble card. Yeah, yeah. Like with like, drink thirty seven fribbles and your thirty eighth after you vomit is on us. He's just the kind of kid you meet him. You, you just realize he's just operating on a different frequency. Than he's just really than all the other eight year olds. Yeah, <laughs> he's just. You guys are doing what you're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. All I'm right, doing doctor. What I'm doing over here. I'm working on my third book. You know. Right. <laughs> he just just finished up his first pilot. Yeah. Good. Uh, hey, I got, yeah, I got uh, one more thing before you uh, jump to the sports. Yes. Do, do, do any of the older members of your family, maybe parents or aunts or uncles, do they have different phone behaviors on a cell phone rather than a house phone? Like my dad, I've been noticing, like when my dad wants to get off the phone, he'll say, when he's on his, his landline, He'll say, all right, you know, that's, uh, let, let's cut this short. I'll talk to you soon. Be good. See ya, bye-bye. That sort of thing. My mom that's, always, you know, oh, let me let the you landline. That's right. the landline. That's the landline. Okay. On the cell phone, he's more belligerent, and the phone call always ends like this. All right, that's it. <laughs> and then click. He's and then he gone. Clicks. That's it. Wrap it up. And my mom kind of does the same thing. She's like, all right, uh, we should stop. <laughs> and that's it. Click. Yeah, it's like they don't they don't know how to get off the phone. That's that's hilarious. That's great. Yeah, I uh, there's a long-standing thing with uh and my brother can speak to this too. Uh and I think I've told you about this before, Cal. I think we've talked about this guys where the older generation in my family and my mom now falls into this where it takes like an hour and a half to get off the phone. Yeah, when they're on the landline. All right, so long now. Okay, Steve, take care. All right, so long. Kiss Teresa for okay. Kiss the baby for me. All right, so long. This is an extension of what my grandmother used to do with my aunt Dolly, and they would be they would say goodbye to each other for twenty five minutes. Like my brother and I used to sit by the and clock them, and just okay, so long. All right, so long. Like it would take twenty five minutes to get off the phone. Okay, bye bye. So long now. So I think that's extended into. Uh, the landline behavior, my mother does it now, 
Mm-hmm. And when she's on a cell phone, it might as well be timed to go off. <laughs> like in general. <laughs> like I I think she thinks she's Maxwell smart and it's going to really detonate in her hand. Right. Because she's right. so panicked. Yeah, like, my, my um, parents are kind of like it, it's like a pull off the band aid kind of thing. Let's right. you know, let's just get this over with. This whole conversation. That's it. She'll call me on a break from work, and it'll be like, "Hi, Stephen, it's Mom. I just had to. I just wanted to call and say hello. Okay, I just wanted to give you a shout. Okay, I, Mom, I'm here. I'm actually. You're not leaving a message. We're speaking. I, doesn't matter. I just want to make sure everybody's okay. It's all right. All right, I gotta go now. This thing, you know, you never know. It just could go up at any time. All right, so long. You're not paying for minutes anymore. They, they, they moved past that. <laughs> You're on a plan. Do you have your parents embraced the, the cell phone technology, Cal? Not really. <laughs> Did, do they need the big button phone? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. They just they struggle with with the cell. They can't hear things on the cell phone. Oh, they don't know how to hold it to their ear. Oh, oh my right. god! Yeah. I think that might be it. Oh, either that, times. either that, or my father puts every conversation on speakerphone. Every like he just automatically turns it on speaker, <laughs> and you can hear him going about his business. He's washing dishes. He's he's putting stuff in the refrigerator. I mean, <laughs> he's got the phone probably on the kitchen table, and he's just walking around the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just having a good old time. No, that technology's not that good. I can't hear you when you're in the other room. <laughs> My parents like to put the cell phone through the Bluetooth in the car. That's a disaster. <laughs> that is some wind tunnel, you know, it sound, it's just awful. Unmitigated and disaster. They're both screaming. They can't hear me, so they shout at me. <laughs> and they think it's helpful because I guess they could both they both can hear me at the same time. Right. But frankly, the conversations went better when my mother used to talk to me and then turned to my dad and said, he said the baby's fine. You know? <laughs> and then she would turn back. <laughs> Are you having turkey? He's having turkey, Paul. Right. The re- you shovel the relay driveway? System. He shoveled his driveway, Paul. The relay that was better. so much better, right? <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your mom was operating as a ham radio operator, like just passing along... The yes, yes, they they did make gravy. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, it was much better when it was all ships at sea. That's right. Oh boy. Uh, yes, that is an excellent uh, observation. We should t- we should uh, uh, before we do the big unload, we should uh, do the the promo. How about that? Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village. New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. All right, so again, tonight's episode is brought to you by Blue Haven Sports Bar in New York. I think we're going to do our next remote. You know, guys, I think it's going to be in early March. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So check that out. Go to uh, www.bluehavennyc.com. For details, they have specials, they have all the games, they're going to have the NCAA tournament, March Madness, it's going to be truly madness, and we're putting together a, we're putting together a uh, uh, big night for the draft night, Thursday night, April 25th, we're putting together a draft stanza, draft extravaganza, draft 
Draft a Ganza? Come on, somebody. Hallmark. Draft a Palooza. Draft a Palooza. Draft Gate. Drafttopia. Anyway, go to BlueHavenNYC.com for details on all their specials and stuff. And go down there. If you're in the city, you're hanging out, you're going to get a beer. Go down there. Maybe tonight if for Valentine's Day. How many, how many Valentine's Day did you get today, Cal? Any? Uh, one. Was it at the library? Was it, the, it was at the library. Supposedly. Li- Supposedly. What was the windshield factor? That's what I want to know. Um, so, uh, it's time for the big unload. It's time for the sports and stuff. Maybe we should be bored. Mean like the Chopa? <laughs> Just shake her head at it. Alright. The big unload is brought to you by our buddy Finney's movie. But we have sponsors, Cal. It's not our fault. We have sponsors. Our buddy Mark Fell Finney. Out. Is a- <laughs> All marked. It's almost finished with his movie. It's called Fat the Film. Uh, on Facebook, search Fat the Movie. Check it out. There's a teaser trailer up. It's going to be released really soon. Uh, and good luck to our buddy Mark Finney. Again, check it out. You're going to be able to get it on, I think, on Netflix, maybe. Uh, he's trying to do that, Cal. So, anyway, big unload. Mets. <laughs> I, I turned into Piscopo doing sports on the- Mets. Eighty-six. Exciting. I- Thrilling. Awesome. Let's take a look. And then let's go. Mets go would start. Right. Uh, hey, you know what? You know what, Brian Calvi? Take it away. Take it away. Yeah. Oh, boy. You're putting me on the spot here. What's our big unload? We're going to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the fact... You you brought up the big unload. Yeah, no, I know. But I was... You know, you had told me right before airtime, you had something that you were going to bring up. He's going to talk about the Mets? He's going to talk about the Mets, Paul. (laughs) The Mets. (laughs) No, the Mets. You said Mets, right? Yes. Yes, Mom. Yes, you said Mets. And the cat answers you. I love that. <laughs> He's going to talk about the Mets. What? Um, so uh, spring training starts. Uh, pitches and catchers report. Obviously, the Mets outfield is uh, LOL field. Obviously, LOL field. Can we call it that? Yes. Um, there's a ton of question marks around the Mets. Fred Wilpon uh, delivers his annual State of the Union, which he does almost every spring training. Was he in a golf cart again? Uh, I'm sure. He typically does it from a golf cart. Was he in a golf cart with ornate gold fixtures like he usually is? He is now because they have money again. That's right. <laughs> Nothing like telling us, like last year, the team completely on austerity and you've cut $52 million from your Major League Baseball payroll. And you're in a golf cart that has, like, a wet bar and, like, uh, gold pedals. He's got somebody fanning him. <laughs> feeding him grapes. Like, Jeff's feeding him grapes. Poor poor taste. Um, so he delivers his annual State of the Mets, and um, lo and behold, 
Well, there's a couple of ways to come at this, Bri. And, and here's the two that I'm thinking of that I wanted to talk to you about tonight. The first one is what actually happened. Fred Wilpon's delivering his state of the Mets, and he says our financial troubles are behind. Now, this, he was questioned. Let's be sure to say he was questioned. He didn't just volunteer it. He didn't stand up on the golf cart and be like, I'm rich. Pouring <laughs> out crystal. Throwing $100 bills at the reporters. Making it rain over Kevin Burkhart. He didn't do that. He was asked about the financial state of the team and his family. And he was candid, or at least as much as we can trust. And he said that uh, their, their financial troubles are behind them. They are debt-free as a family. Their real estate holdings are doing very well. And they've come out of uh, the, the woods. So it's over. Our long national nightmare of the Wilpons being broke is uh, over. So that's what happened. So we can. Adri- I want to ask you about that first. And let's, we'll yeah, let's, let's, but it set off. Right. Let's talk about the facts first. Right. Do you believe him? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think that okay. they're. I think that they're better off than they were. You know, I don't think. Uh, look, he's actually for for all the grief that he's taken, he's actually been pretty forthcoming each year about the state of his finance. He, I mean, he was honest when he didn't have the money last year. He was honest about that. Yeah, you know, um, I I I just I don't trust him at all. So anything that he says, I take with a grain of salt at this point. Wait, there, there's the grain of salt aspect. There's also the they've been forthcoming about two things, right? They've been forthcoming or or, or supposedly forthcoming or about Madoff, seemingly forthcoming, right? That Madoff would have no effect on the team. That's what they said. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like seemingly forthcoming and right. revelatory or, you know, revealing. And now they're flush with money and their troubles are behind them. Now, now in between there, they did say that they were innocent. They did say that once the judgment came down in the Madoff case that they were okay, blah, 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 blah. But these are the two things that they've been extremely forthcoming about, or these are two things. Well, we know the first one's a lie. Clearly, clearly, the Madoff situation affected the team. So we knew the first one was a lie. I don't know how to feel about this one other than to say, look, there's no question they're probably in better financial shape now than they were two years ago because they bloodlet the team down $50 million. So the team should be in better shape financially. Obviously, if you're carrying $152 million payroll or $102 million payroll, you're going to be better off. And also, the decision has come in on Madoff. They know what they owe. It went from a billion dollars to $60 million. Well, I'll tell you how I feel about it. What he said today, um, I, am, I, I couldn't be more nonplussed about it if I tried. He could have come out today and said, we're broke and we've got no money. <laughs> or he could have come out and said, we're rich. And we've got all the money in the world and anything in between. And it wouldn't have made a lick of difference to me. Really? Yes. 
Explain. The reason why is because I'm I am more focused on what Sandy Alderson is doing and saying about this team. There's the key. He's the guy that's rebuilding this team. And I don't care what Fred Wilpon has to say. Let, but, does, as, but, as, that, but, but does it not matter, Bri, if he has money to rebuild it? I mean, they didn't get Michael Bourne, right? And and the speculation right. the speculation was they never even made him an offer, which they did. The other well, agent said they made an offer. Alderson said they made an offer. Everybody said they made an offer. Right. But the but the speculation is wild that they don't have the money to spend. Okay. Regardless of what Fred Wilpon says, so I'm concerned with Sandy Alderson too, Bry. But isn't that not a, is that not an important distinction to draw? Does he have the money to rebuild this properly? This is this is what I'm saying. I don't care what Fred Wilpon says. I care what Sandy Alderson says. And Sandy okay. Alderson said we have the money to make the moves if we if if we determine it's in the best interest of the team. So I. Even though Fred Wilpon is the guy with the money, I believe Sandy Alderson a whole lot more than I believe Fred Wilpon and put a lot more stock into what he has to say. So he's because got credibility. He's, yeah. got, he's got credibility. He said it a couple of weeks ago when I went to that thing at, at City Field and he spoke to the season ticket holders. He, he said, we, there are no financial restraints anymore. If we, if we need the money to make a move that we feel is prudent, we've got that money. And I sat there, and I listened to him talk about Michael Bourne. And they wanted Michael Bourne. So all of this nonsense about that the Mets didn't really want him. No, this is all just for show. They didn't make him an offer. They didn't really want him. Because if they really wanted him, they would have made him the offer because they have to know that it was going to go to arbitration, and that was going to take two weeks. So all of that, I don't, I don't buy it. I sat there, and I listened to Sandy Alderson, who in, who – when you look at Alderson and the Wilpons and the media and the fans, Sandy Alderson has the most credibility of that entire bunch. So he's the guy I'm going to listen to right now. You know, yeah. and, and we've been waiting for Sandy Alderson to do something. And that's, you know, he's got three years in his third year. He's got to win now. He's got to do something. He's not doing anything. He's not spending any money, blah, blah, blah. Sandy Alderson had a plan when he came in here. He had a plan to rebuild the team after he got out from, from the enormous financial obligations that were set forth by the previous regime. And he had to do so on austerity. And he had, to, and he had, he had to, to do, do so with no budget. With no money. He had, he had about $13 million to spend last year right. because of the, made off, the pending Madoff decision. Right. So he had a plan, and he has set forth that plan. And now, in 2013, when we're pretty much like – we're like right there. You can see the light now. Absolutely. It's like right there. And, and now, now, after three years of this, when we're almost there is when he's taking the most heat. And I, I, I just – it frustrates me to no end that they can't understand what he's trying to do. And here's a newsflash. Just because he's got money to spend doesn't mean he's going to go off on a shopping spree. Or needs to. Or should. Yeah, exactly. Because guess what? We've done that before. We had a, there was a guy in the season ticket holder meeting a couple of weeks ago that wanted to know next year, and I don't know if I said this in the air. I think I told you. Yeah, you didn't say it last right. week on the show. <laughs> he wanted to know 
if the Mets have all of this money coming off the books next year, Johan Santana's contract is up, Jason Bay, they don't have to pay yeah, any more. They, they have like $25 million committed to two players next year. So they have like $50 million committed to two players next year. No, they have Nice and, and oh, Wright. Oh, right. But but it was like $50 million to those two players, Santana and Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, right, right, right. Exactly. So they have all this money coming off. So the question, Sandy Alderson, is if the Mets have all of this money coming off, can you commit to having a top five payroll in baseball next year? And let me explain. This did he, did he, I mean, did he, th- did he smirk? Did he, did, he, did he keep a straight face? Well, he, he answered it very well, and he didn't make the guy feel like the idiot that he should have felt like. <laughs> like he could have made also, it. Let me, let me also clarify that this man was not four years old. <laughs> so he should remember the last time the Mets did have a top five payroll. It wasn't that long ago. No, it was four years ago. Yeah. And uh, and that didn't work out. Nope. So it doesn't automatically equate to success. But that's the whole point is that now he's going to have resources. He had the money to spend on Michael Bourne. He chose not to for baseball reasons, not for financial reasons. Well, they would have wound up giving him $63 million. They would have given him five years. He would have been a 35 The same reason why he didn't want to sign Jose Reyes. Exactly. Michael Bourne is a guy that lives on his legs. It, it, it just, it, don't we all? <laughs> Michael Bourne is a guy with two legs who plays baseball. And let me tell you something. He plays baseball and he runs a lot. And boy, I would love to run just like him. Yes. He's he's fast. No, you of course. That's what got us in trouble in the first place. Everything I, I I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, which leads us to the and and this notion that somehow whatever Fred Wilpon was saying was like braggadocio or something or like made like Carton jumped on that this morning or whatever. Like, I don't need to hear Like he's like rubbing it in, like how well he's doing, how well he's doing. Like even Boomer, you know, Boomer Siason this morning said the perfect thing, which was, well, Craig, were you happy when he was broke and about to pay a billion dollars? But that made you feel good. Like it's, it's such a stupid. No- and there were, <clears throat> excuse me. There were several callers that called up today with that very idea. That you know, it's in poor taste for Fred Wilpon to say that his family's out of debt when that's the outfield he's putting out there. Can people stop with the outfield? Can we stop? Can we stop with this obsession with the outfield? Can we stop? He's completely ignored the major league team. Really? Has he? Because it seems to me like they signed the franchise cornerstone third baseman to an eight-year, hundred and forty million dollar contract. And and while he didn't let him walk. They didn't let him walk. Lo and behold, they didn't trade him. They didn't let him walk. Here's the other thing. He was, he's, he's ignoring the major league outfield. But all he's done for the last two months is try to trade for Justin Upton. Right. Which three years ago couldn't have even had that conversation with Arizona. And, and he didn't give up Wheeler or Harvey. But that's, my, po- but that, but that's my point. Three years ago, the, the system didn't allow – like the player. That's he would have right. called up Arizona, hey, what, what will it take to get Justin Upton? They would have laughed and hung up on him. Now they're, They may have even sent him a Hallmark card. They really would have Hallmarked him. They might have, they might have Hallmarked him. We got you, Justin Upton. You <laughs> just see Omar Minaya opening the card. Right. Called about Justin Upton. Yeah, we got you, Justin Upton. We'll get a prospect. 
Hallmarked. But the point, the point, the propulsifer, Hallmarked. The point, the point I'm trying to make is that he's even he's in the conversation now because he's got value Suspects to deal. To do it exactly. Right. So that so. And I, and I told you this earlier. He didn't sign Scott Harris, and he's very—he's been very open about this. He—he he feels that the negotiations with Harrison, he was trying to get Justin Upton. Yeah. And every Met fan alive, if you ask them, you wouldn't even have to give them truth serum; they'd just offer it to you. Who would you rather have, <laughs> Justin Upton or Scott Harrison? They're going to tell you it's Justin Upton. Yeah, I would. I, so. That's a pretty unscientific fact, but that's what they're going to tell you. Note, note, if you gave them a lie detector, you don't need, even need the lie detector Pick test. Them up note, to a polygraph you, machine. Yeah. Whatever. What, up to a Pollyanna machine. Any machine with poly in it. It doesn't a matter. A machine, polygraph, polygram, the record company, whatever. They don't. They're not taking Scott Harrison. They're going to tell you the same thing. So what Sandy Alderson was doing at the time was he was trying to get Justin Upton. And he couldn't offer Scott Hairston playing time in an outfield if he had Justin Upton. Yep. And he wasn't going to give he wasn't going to make the offer to Scott Hairston if that meant that now he didn't have a place for Justin Upton. Right. So you know, guys can do they're multitasking. That's what they call it. They call it multitasking. <laughs> you know, it, it's very similar to when he was trying to trade R. A. Dickey and also trying to sign him. Another concept that's lost on the great minds in that world, because they lowballed Dickey, they lowballed him. Right. You know, they, they, they insulted the Cy Young Award winner. They lowballed right. him. Who yeah. signed for a whole four million dollars more. Right. But they lowballed him because they were trying to trade him. And if he would have accepted that, and look, I'm I'm repeating myself from months ago, but if they if he would have accepted the offer that they made him. If they, they made their made, best offer first, he, he would, would have accept accepted it, and they couldn't trade him. Right. So they didn't. They needed balls. to see what the trade market was. Look, everything they've done this offseason, short of getting a legitimate outfielder, has been fine. But Steve, I think I think what the problem is is that Sandy Alderson is approaching the management of the team, running this organization, from a more intelligent perspective and more of a big picture sense where he's trying to do multiple things and he's trying to almost think a couple of steps ahead as to if I do this, then this, this, and this could happen. Yeah. You know, and, and people just don't get that. Well, I'm sorry. They just don't I, get it. I agree. I mean, look, that leads us to part two of this, which is the fan and beat report. Porter, but more so the fan reaction to this. The Met fan reaction to this is mystifying to me, Brian. It's myst. I, I just I don't. How is it? Look, we we may come off as Sandy Alderson apologist. That's not only Met fans could make me defend the Wilpons today. Like as I'm listening to WFAN today, in my head I'm defending the Wilpons because I'm saying they spent money. They have spent money so many times. That doesn't make you a good owner. You don't go out and buy... How many World Series did George Steinbrenner win when he bought every free agent in the 80s? Zero. How many World Series did George Steinbrenner win when he built 
his farm system and had a core of homegrown players and then added trading out of that out of that great farm system and also adding free agents that fit in with that core. Oh, he won four. I mean, it, it's it actually five. You know, look back at some of these. All right, teams. it's it's not it's it, it it just because he hasn't the outfield is not what you want it to be doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing or they've ignored the major league game. There's no sense in making a move just to make a move. There's no sense in giving Michael Bourne four or five years. Michael Bourne. Now, come now. He's a wonderful defensive center fielder. He hit nine home runs last year in Atlanta. So you could take that down to one or two in City Field. He'll steal 30 bases. He'll hit 270. Big deal. And you're going to pay him $13 million a year. More. $13 million a year. Right, 15. $15 million a year. You know, or what, it was like four for 48 they offered him with a vesting fifth. So $12 million a year. Yeah. I mean, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Now, look. It's not worth it. It's not worth it this year. It's not worth it in two years when they're good. The other part of this sense. The other part of this is that. The market is, and, and I've seen this a lot of places too, the market is the market now. The market for Michael Bourne is $12 million a year. Right. So, oh, that's another one, yeah. I, I don't understand. The market is the market. Well, the, I, I don't want to pay the market. market's stupid. Somebody said to me the other day about Victorino. They should have went and got Victorino or uh, uh, Angel Pagan. Because we're going to bring Angel Pagan back now for four years at $40 million. Well, the market is the market. Is is Shane Victorino a difference maker that you're going to pay $13 million a year for, Cal? Come on. Come on. I'm not giving Shane Victorino $40 million. No, thank you. What's he going to do for me? Get me two wins? These are not difference makers. I don't care that that's... That, you know why they got paid in that market? Because teams were desperate. Well, don't be the desperate team. We were the desperate team with Jason Bay. Don't be the desperate team anymore. Don't be the desperate team. The Red Sox gave him that contract because they're desperate. You can't, Brian, I'm sorry, you can't possibly sit there and tell me what Shane Victorino got this year is a good contract. No, I don't, I don't think it is at all. I don't think it is at all. People would be, could you imagine that contract next year? In 2014, when he's hitting 225 with four home runs and eight stolen bases in June. Look, I agree with that. The problem is that if the market for Shane Victorino is $13 million a year, what's the market going to be next year for Jacoby Ellsbury? Jacoby Ellsbury is a different player, entirely different player. No, but but, but here's the thing. If if a guy like Shane Victorino is getting $13 million a year, what's a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury going to get? But I don't care. I don't but, care. If that's the player I want, I go pay him. Okay. All right. No, I agree with you. If if Ellsbury is, has a magnificent year and goes to free agency and stays healthy, and he's worth 18 or $19 million a year for five years, and I want him, and I'm ready to win, and I only have $50 million committed to my payroll in 2014, and it's time to add a piece like the Nationals, I mean, Alderson said it himself, right, Brian? He said the, uh, the, the Nationals are at that point. We hope to get to that point where they can, get, they can sign Soriano, for example, to a ridiculously big deal because they're at that point. They're ready to win. They're right there. 
they're a piece or two away. If Jacoby Ellsbury is the, the last piece of the puzzle for me, yeah, I'll give him $18 million for four years, and I might hate that contract in two years, but 2014 and 15, we're going to win. We're going to win. And so if it cost me that then, it cost me that then. I don't I, I don't get this notion the market is the market. What happens to your needs as a team? Otherwise you're reaching. And that's what every Met fan wants the Mets to do. What they have money now? Let's reach. Let's reach all over the place. Because we don't have a legitimate major league outfield. I'm so tired of hearing it that I just made fun of the way people say it. And you know I hate that. I know. In fact I'm putting a quarter in the kangaroo court jar. Because that's a terrible job by me. I don't like making fun of the way people sound, except that Mike Francesa. But still, I, I, can't, I can't hear one more time about the outfield. Enough. We get it. Here, here's here's the, the, the other thing that all of a sudden is that Wheeler and Harvey are going to be oh, Generation thanks. K. All of a sudden now... Yeah. Last year. Now, last year, everybody was thrilled. They saw Harvey come up out of AAA, had a great second half of the year. They were excited about Zach Wheeler, couldn't wait to get here. Now, this year, Wheeler and Harvey are automatically going to be busts. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Um, I just, I don't understand why all of a sudden this year they're going to be... But Paul, I can't hear them. Where'd they go? Can you hear me now, PJ? I can't. Hold on. Let me put the Bluetooth in the car. Hold PJ, on. PJ, hello? Hi. Hello, PJ. <laughs> He's talking now, Paul. I got P- it. PJ, what do you think about this? What are we talking about? The Wilpons? <laughs> what what are we up to? I want I want to know if you believe Fred Wilpon when he says that they've got money right now. Um could, could I believe he has a line of credit? He says he's got money. He says all of the the debt, they're past all of the debt. Cash uh, what, what was that Wu-Tang song? <laughs> the cash revolves everything around me or something like that? Mo, he's all mo cream. money, mo problems? No, <laughs> he's got more money, more problems. Is that, was that, that wasn't it, right? No, no, no. Oh, Cash Rules Everything Around Me by the Wu-Tang. That's him. Oh. Man, see, that would have been funny if it was fast. That wasn't, I stink. That wasn't by Chameleonaire? <laughs> you, I thought it was Chameleonaire. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I don't know with the hip hop. No, me neither. That's why I, I pronounce the C H A like chameleon. Like chameleon. Were you deeply invested in the uh, best urban album? I was. Best contemporary urban at the Grammys. 
Did they show it on on the on the broadcast or no? Yeah, no, that was prime time. I think they did that by nine or nine thirty. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Don't ask me who won, because I. Because you weren't that invested in it. <laughs> me with the modern music, not so much. I mean, I know Mumford and Sons. I like them with the kick drum. But you know, here's a, here's an idea. While we're, while while we're on this topic, and we're trying to work out some technical difficulties in the studio here. Right. Um, let's talk about the Grammys for a second. What was your favorite performance? Um, you know, my wife's going to throw something to me again for saying this. I really liked the Bruno Mars with Sting. I thought that was great, even though, you know, he's playing a Sting song to begin with. Yes. <laughs> so it's like only fitting that you should bring Sting out there because he wrote your song for you 20 years earlier. <laughs> but... But uh, um, he was he was great. Um, I agree with you. I thought that was Taylor my Swift was great because my my daughter went nuts. So she must have been doing it right. That was nice because it was on at the top of the show, so the kids yeah. could watch it. Mm-hmm. That was far out. You know, it had it had some good stagecraft. Um, what did you think of the tribute to Levon Helm? I don't like tributes to begin with. Okay. Because for some reason, tributes start as tributes, but then turn into grandstanding, individual grandstanding as you go around the stage. A little bit. Um, and uh, it, w- it wasn't great. It wasn't great. And um, uh, Elton John with... Well, Elton John during the tribute wasn't so great. And Elton <laughs> John with uh, Ed Sheeran was, was pretty good, but it was like rocket fast. But why so much Elton John? During the tribute? No. Why? Why did he have to come? Why did like? Did he oh, why was there so much? Why did they, because why did, when he shows up, they just give him stage time. Yeah, but Rihanna had doubled up too. She's awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. It was not <clears throat> great. And I got to say, you know, I usually don't. I don't care about celebrity gossip. But there's something about the Rihanna Chris Brown story that really bothers me. Yeah, well, it's very disturbing when you see him in the audience while she's singing, and he's he looks like, like a predator. It. I'll, I'll say that. I look, I look at his everybody. eyes, and he's, he's just got predator eyes. He does. It bothers everybody. Like there, there is. I think you're absolutely right. Like there is something about that story. I don't like celebrity gossip at all either. But there is something about that story where you're like, get away, please. You know my my please, please my wrong. Yeah. I, my favorite part of the of the performances was when they would show Jay Z, and it was fun to see which ones he approved of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there were some where he, he he was completely emotionless, and you knew that they you know he wasn't having any of it. And then there were right. some where he was kind of bobbing his head and was like, "All right, Jay Z's cool with that." You get no Jay Z cred sometimes. <laughs> that's that's important. You mean, you mean like Jay Z was like the emperor at this point, like. He, well, he's he looks not, like he's in the costume. Right. Court right now. He's a front rower, isn't he? He's in the front oh, row. That, oh, he owns the front row. He because well, well, when because right. when he performed with with uh, Timberlake, I think he just walked up out of his seat and got, went on stage in the middle of the performance and started singing. <laughs> right. I don't even know if it was planned. Right. They just hand him a mic. Like he's just he just walks up. He doesn't even have to tell anybody he's going right. to do it. Oh oh oh, we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. Right. Jay Z. Mr. Z. Jay Z approved. Steve, did you see the Grammys? I didn't. I have never been a Grammy guy. 
I think the last time I was telling Teresa this, she's like, how come you're not into the Grammys? I said, you know, I think the last time I was excited about the Grammys was like when Billy Joel won for like Nylon Curtain in like 1983. Oh, come on. You don't want, you didn't no. watch for the, the performances either? No. I think, I mean, I watched Pearl Jam when they were on probably, you know, like in the early 90s or whatever, just to spit at the establishment. Um, You know, I yeah, really spit on the establishment there, Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, on their on their Sony record label, there yeah. really uh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm a true rebel. I know. You know, uh, never been a Grammy guy though. No. You know, you know who's a big band these days? Those kids, Fun. It's a big band. It's a big fun. Band. Fun broke my heart. Well, yeah. Cal, you don't know this, but Fun, the song that Fun performed, yeah. uh, is. Quite similar to a song PJ wrote about eight years ago. Oh no! <laughs> so PJ's been going well, through this for over a decade now. <laughs> right. So I got a text during the Grammys from PJ saying, "Oh, great! Fun just finished playing uh, I Cry on You,' which is a song that he had written, that PJ has written. Oh, great! Fun just finished playing Cry on You nine years later. Great on the Grammys. Super. Great job, everybody." Oh no! Well, in a way, it's a validation. It's like, well, I knew that song was good. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's that thing. It's that thing that Marin talks about uh, all the time with stand-up comedy. It definitely exists with music as well. And that's it's out there in the ether. You know, like you. There's no possible way fun, the members of fun, which is just great to say, heard cry on you. There's no chance that they heard that song. Oh, of course. Of course. How do you know that? It's just, it, I, I don't know if we ever played it out. I don't know, you know, I, I think there's maybe four people that have that demo. Like, it just... yeah, No, it, it's, it's, it's just a thing of uh, you know, I, I, I figured out a way to take ingredients A, B, and X and we got something unique out of it, but we couldn't do anything right. with it. And then a couple and you, years later someone else finds it and you're like, ah, that hurts. Right. And then all you got to stew. All I'm saying is that they have been a New York City bar band for quite some time. That's right. All I'm saying is, I think I saw one of the guys in fun at one of the Johnny Rockstar shows in 1998. Feeling litigious, are we? <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying. No, hey, by the way. Never in a million years, but it was just one of those things where you shake your head and you're like, yeah, I remember when I wrote that tune. <laughs> and it's it's like that with comedy like I remember when I did that bit back in you know or, or you know and Ma Marin says all the time like I may have thought of it in my bathroom and like written it down and never done it on stage and then all of a sudden right. I see that joke at like and I'm like how did was he in my bathroom that day like how did he right. how did he know not, that I wrote that down not only did I write here there Delilah but I also invented the charging station <laughs> now you're turning yeah. it to my now you're thinking it's <laughs> right. I mean, what can you do about it? You can't do nothing about it. Someone else to follow through. You didn't follow hey, through. Hey, Delilah. Oh, that's so funny. He really well, did. Well, actually, no. Scott called me on that one. He really did. Yeah. That Scott was you also, good. PJ. Yeah, Scott. Yeah. Scott called me up because you're going to punch the wall if you hear what's on the radio right now. <laughs> he has Cal. He has a song that sounds exactly like that. Oh man. Not enough, you know. It's not a George Harrison, My Sweet Lord sort of thing, but it, it's it's it was it's never enough to be litigious. It's just like, 
oh man, they wrote the same song. Yeah. No, oh man. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They got they that song got famous before my song got famous. That's right. But we but we were using the same paprika. That's right. See, this is why I, I don't say, well, I anything. think of it like recipes. Like how can how, how can one chef get mad I'm if a chef boy. ten miles away comes up with his, you know his recipe? Right. That's true. Exactly. Like how can you get mad at the guy ten miles away who came up with the same uh, bouillabaisse? Right. You know, but I I just keep looking at the sky, going, could someone come to my restaurant once? Once? Can someone That's just all. try the creme fraiche once? Right. I'm a good cook. So somebody try the sous vide once. Enough hey, about you, me. What did you break? What did you do? You I don't know it what happened the thing. there. No, I have no I have no idea what happened there. Well, or or how I fixed it. So great job, everybody. Even better. That's <laughs> right. No, I that's the, the troubleshooting team. that we've come yeah. to expect. How'd you fix that? No idea. No idea. Can't replicate it, and I have two screws left over from trying that's to fix right. it. So, great Hold job. On. Paul, he says it's fixed. <laughs> it's fixed, he said. That says good job. How's his goida? <laughs> um, all right, ba- back to the Wilpons here. From Great vamping, by the way, Peach. Wow. I mean, the last few weeks, you have really... Really earned your keep. I'm telling you, there's going to be something nice in your uh, your 18 month review. Yes, because <laughs> that's coming up. Your 18 month review is coming up. I like that. Yeah, are you prepared for that or? Um, no. You owe you still owe us your self evaluation. So <laughs> that's right. Please get in your I, manager evaluation. I, I'm having a hard time coming up with the job description. <laughs> <laughs> What just is it you put, do just here? put Bon Vivant. <laughs> Remember McGinley in Office Space? Just what is it that you do here? That you do here. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us what it is exactly that you do here. Okay, newbie? Has Is John C. McGinley the same guy in every movie? Because I saw Platoon recently, and I'm like, oh, it's, oh, it's the doctor from Scrubs. He's great. But he does actually. He uh, he he brought that to burn notice recently. To oh to burn notice, okay. Yeah, he played a heavy on burn notice, and he uh, he did it Could slower, but it was the same more? thing. Right. He's yeah. uh, I I loved him on Scrubs. But if you look at that character in Platoon, it's it's it's, it's what do you call it, Doctor? Uh, what was his name on Scrubs? Help. Oh, um, Cox. Doctor Cox, Cox, right? <laughs> Obviously. Appropriately. Dr. Where were we? We were talking about the Wilpons. It's like 20 to 11 already. <laughs> How do you feel about the Wilpons? The, all, all I was going to... I know you don't like the Wilpons, but... I despise them. I really but, do. But I you find yourself coming to tomorrow. their defense a little bit. I do, because of the Met fan reaction to uh, this this current situation. Okay, so yeah, that's that's the question here. Why? Where is this reaction coming from? Why? Why all of a sudden? Why now... In the spring of 2013, have, has everybody seemed to have lost their mind? Because the team has struggled for a number of years, and they consistently want a scapegoat. And when that scapegoat is gone, they find a new one. When so, you say they, you mean you mean the, the media, majority the of the fans? fan base. The majority of the fan base. Okay. This is an interesting. You said this today. Cal, and I totally agree with you. This is an, the Met fan base right now is an interesting study in the dynamics of the psychology of a sports fan. It really is. And 
it's akin to, I think, what Red Sox Nation was like before 2004. It really is because there's a certain – there seems to be a certain attraction to the losing and the woe is me mentality that – uh, there's consistently a scapegoat for the Mets. I mean, look, the Mets Mets fans are scapegoating back to like Bobby Valentine. I, there was a guy on the fan who scapegoated, who was talking about not signing a Rod after the 2000 season, like going back that far with the Wilpons. And another one, and again, I, I don't like the Wilpons. That's not my point. My point is there's always a scapegoat, and I think the Met fan has fallen in love with sucking or being bad or having bad things befall the franchise that it makes no it makes no it's, sense though it's the only explanation for this for somebody saying wheeler harvey uh, and that crop of pitchers when pressed and asked why can't they be good and darling why can't they be i mean nobody's going to be siever but why can't they be like siever and kuzman why do they have to be like Pulsifer, Isringhausen, and Paul Wilson? And the answer was, because they're the Mets. This was the Met fans' answer over and over again the last two days to why that's, gonna ha- why that's an inevitability. And, if, and to me, if you can't have hope in your prospects in baseball, there is nothing better. We've talked about it so many times on the show. There is no, and, and as fans, Bri, you and I have just BSed about this a ton of times. There is nothing better than that guy you bring up, that that rookie pitcher that's coming up in August and is good. I was at Harvey's first game at at City Field. There is nothing that inspires hope in a sports fan like your prospects do in baseball. And if you can't believe in those guys. And these aren't these aren't flash in the pan prospects, Bry. Harvey and I mean uh, Wheeler and Darnell are two of the best prospects in baseball. But but you will hear that because they are Met prospects, they are destined to fail. Exactly, Some, and something is bound to I'm go saying. wrong. Like you, like the most Met fans now, it feels like the majority of Met fans can't even get behind their prospects, like their kids. Like this is what we're building. We're building something, and you can't get behind that. I mean, even Kevin, right? K-Mac, our buddy K-Mac, yeah. huge Met fan, has had the City Field, uh, uh, what do you call it, boycott going on. For, this will be his third season. He refuses to go to City Field as long as the Wilpons own the team. Right? He won't take his son there. His son's going to be three. Uh, happy birthday to Rye Guy on the 18th. Going to be three years old. Will not. Ta- I've taken Wesley three times already. Four times will not take his son to City Field. And he is absolutely over the moon about Harvey and Wheeler. Over the moon. Ecstatic. As much as he hates the ownership, you cannot kill that part of a fan. Because if you look at the way the teams that have won recently, and you you said this weeks ago. Well, we did. We, we with the Giants. Right, but we said in October, Cal. We've seen what he's building there. We said in October. 
But look at the teams that have won recently and how they've been built. Not a single team was built in the mold of the 2012 Marlins, where you just buy up the most expensive free agents and you make a huge splash and you generate a ton of excitement for your team, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You need to build a foundation. You're not going to, you can't build a house by just putting fancy shingles on. (laughs) Well, you can. Does that make sense? You can't build the house that way. But the first storm that comes, uh, good luck. That's it, and it's gone. But when Ozzy Guillen comes to town and he's your manager, eh, good luck. It was a, that was a bad analogy. But the point is, you have to build a foundation. <laughs> you build that, that's where you start. What my friend is trying to say is love is blind. <laughs> I'm not a talker. Whatever not. will be, will be. <laughs> yes, you absolutely right. do. And he, and he is. And, and, and furthermore, furthermore, a lot of fans right now, and it's a little surprising because the age of some of these fans that are that are harping and complaining should remember the way Frank Cashin built the last great Mets team. Well, yeah, I, I I can understand the younger fans that weren't around for that. They've never seen the Mets built in this fashion before. They right. only know throwing money at guys. You know, that's all they know. So that's what they think they should be doing. Or or like credit to Francesa, or like Francesa said today. And he was spot on, and I do agree with this. And this is one of the reasons the Wilpons are bad owners, regardless of what they spend, or uh, uh, you know, regardless of how much money they've spent on the team. They're bad owners because the plan changes every two years. It has since the early '90s. It was oh, let's go get a whole bunch of free agents. Oh, that doesn't work. Two years later, let's start to build the farm system and get Generation K. Two years later, oh, that didn't work. Let's go get a whole bunch of free agents again. Oh, that didn't work. Let's go. It wasn't until they actually built a bit of a farm system that they had any sort of winning, and they had Bobby Valentine. They've they've changed their philosophy every two years, three years. So they should remember how Cashin built the team in the 80s for sustained success where they won 90 games or more for seven or eight straight years. And had there been a wild card at that time, they would have went to the playoffs seven out of nine years. You know, that's and, – and even more so now. And Francesca was spot on with that. They should know that. That's where the Wilpons have been terrible owners. Well, one of many places. Right. Maybe building a rotunda to a player who never played for your team before. Not, not a great start. But look, if you – when you lose – and I want to wrap up on the Mets with this. Because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Mets. We're in week one of spring training. But to the fan base, and, and, and what I meant by defending the Wilpons was simply saying, them saying that they're flush when asked a question is not bragging. Okay, It's not as if their finances haven't been in the public eye the last four years. That it's like an out of left field, like, like I said, he stood up and was like, we're filthy. So and then the other spot was what did you who did you did you want them to give Josh Hamilton 120 million dollars? Yes, they did. But they did. It doesn't work. Yep. That's what they did. 
doesn't work. The players that were available would not have worked. And if you wanted to get the other players, you would have had to give up the pitching. It's, I just don't understand how it's so hard to see what, he, what, what Alderson is trying to do. Strong starting pitching, good back end of the bullpen, throwing a lot of different arms at it, trying to develop your young power arms to have a good back end of the bullpen. Great, huge starting pitching. Not just good starting pitching, huge starting pitching. Three to four good bats in the lineup doesn't matter where they are. They could be at first, second, third, and behind the plate. Three to four solid bats that you can rely on. And the flexibility with your farm system to make a trade should you need to to address needs. Like trading Zach Wheeler for Carlos Beltran. Or trading, you know, I, I, I can't remember who went in the uh, in the in the Hunter Pence trade, but the Hunter Pence trade, which got them a World Series. Yeah. Guess what, Cal? He's built that. He's put them in position to make that move if they need, if they can make that move. Yeah. When it, when the time is right. Uh, you know what I love? I love. <laughs> this is the last. I love. Now look. So the caller calls up. I don't mean to bag on the callers, but it just it just the Met caller and the Met fan is so frustrating to me right now. <laughs> Callie calls up. So look, we all know Kirk New and Heist can't hit a curveball, right? We all know that. Everybody knows that. Do it really? We do. We know that after 400 major league plate appearances for a 23 year old guy. We know 400, like 200. Yeah, like 250 plate appearances. He can't hit a curveball. He's never going to. He's he's nothing more than a 230 hitter. This guy gets on and says all of this as facts. So you're going to tell me Michael Bourne couldn't have helped this team? Yeah, probably could help them. A little bit. Is he helping them next year when he's making $13 million and hitting 255 and declining? I just... Uh, I'm excited about this team, Bry. I am. Well, it's 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 your typical spring reaction. I'm, I feel the same way every year. No matter how bad they are predicted to be, mm-hmm. I get excited. I get excited. I get excited seeing these guys in uniform for the first time. Wow. You know, sexy. Well, listen, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> All right, let's move on from the Metropolitans. We're gonna play. Anything else you wanted to hit? Are we signing uh, Ellsbury, Cano, and uh, who else are we getting next year? Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence. Big game, James Shields. Shields. James Shields, okay. Be a free agent. All of them. They're going to sign and Lincecum. And Lincecum, too. And Lincecum, right. And then when they and when they don't sign them, Sandy Alderson will be killed. Right. Um. So, wow, it's 10 to 11. How does this happen? We're having just such a good time tonight, though. Episode number 128, folks. Valentine's Day. 2013, we're live. Um, we wanted to talk about Mike Piazza and the book. A couple things. Uh, uh, I saw the Daily Show appearance, yeah. And our buddy Nello could not have just ad- more accurately described Mike Piazza's hairstyle right now. <laughs> as and there's a picture of it up on the episode page, as the modern day Ben Franklin. I, what. I don't know. I don't know. I guess he's been out of the public eye for so long that he was he was just kind of odd to look at. You're reading the book, right? Yes, I'm up to chapter five. 
I'm I'm just now into the part where Tommy Lasorda, uh, they kind of he kind of scouted him. Oh, so he hasn't even been drafted yet. He hasn't been drafted yet. As a matter, how many how many chapters are in this book? Well, as, actually, as a matter of fact, because he he went undrafted out of high school. Yes. So that's that's where I'm at. He went to like a JUCO, right, in Florida or something. Yeah, but I, he wanted to go to Miami University, U- oh. University of Miami. Didn't we all? He wanted um, to go to the U. Well, that, that's the la- that's the last thing that I read was that they got Lasorda to give the head coach of the University of Miami, Ron Frazier, a call. The famous Ron Frazier. So you know, can you can you take a look at this kid? And he didn't return the call. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm at. But well, it's, it's a good. I mean, so far it's, it's it's very entertaining. It's a good book. You know, he tells some good stories about growing up. Five, you know, four brothers. There were five of them. Uh, did not know he was not one hundred percent Italian. Right, he's like uh, part uh, Latvian. No, his mother it? is uh, Czechoslovakian. Oh, Michael, which I thought was strange. The a couple of things that I've seen seem interesting to me, and I know you're not up to it yet. So I didn't get talk to about meat. it when you I are. I didn't get to the meat. Of it, yeah. But I, I, I've read the same things you have. But our buddy, our buddy Dan, you know, I don't know if you caught Simmons' article on Grantland um, from last week, uh, and then the subsequent podcast uh, on the BS report with him and Chuck Klosterman, uh, which was great. It was a very, very good discussion of. Uh, and Simmons wrote uh, a great article on Grantland about PEDs and about. Why is the discussion not happening? And this is what my friends and I are talking about. Why don't we talk about it in the media? And why don't we have the proper testing? Like if you go you know, around the world and see the testing in other sports and other countries, it's ridiculous. And, and uh, a sh- they've turned a sham into a mockery that we don't have that testing here. So um, – and, and I, I – I have been critical of Bill Simmons uh, quite a bit as being one of his early fans. And then in the last few years, really feeling like he picked basketball because he knew. Like, I think I I felt like his love of basketball and the big book of basketball was like a strategic move. Like he saw that there was a void there for a writer and for what he was doing. And he I thought that some of it was put upon. Now, I've, I've come to realize that he does love basketball. And yeah, and he's pretty good at it. And he's very, very good at it. He's, he's, on, I, he's I, on the pregame shows now. Yeah, I still think, I think he's grown into that. I think when he started it, I still hold maintain. You stand by and, that, huh? Hey, he's a conspiracy theorist, so am I. I maintain that he thought about it and said, "I love basketball, and that can be my niche where I make my bones." Wasn't going to be baseball because everybody writes about baseball, and especially everybody writes about the Red Sox. Um, but anyway. It's an excellent, excellent read. Um, and it brings up the, the points that you and I talk about a lot, Brian, which is we talk about it. You know, we talk about it with our buddy Nello. I wanted to have Nello on tonight, but he's got a date. Oh? Yeah, he's got a date. He's out there. He's doing it. Well, he's out there. Look at this guy. Yeah, well, we only have one single friend left, and he's doing it. God bless. So we're going to have Nello on another time, though, because he really wants to come on and talk about the PEDs. So maybe we can shelf, shelve, shelf. We'll have to check his schedule, though, apparently. Yes. 
he's out there. That reminds me of my favorite, probably, PJ knows this, probably my favorite Costanza. When uh, his mother is getting the eyes, getting her eyes done because she's going to get a divorce from Frank. And uh, she says to him, they're in the diner, and she says to him, you just have to deal with the fact that I'm out there. Georgie, I'm out there. And he says, well, you can't be out there because I'm out there. And if I see you out there, there's not enough voltage to shock me back into coherency. That's a great line. Because I'm out there. And if I see you out there. Anyway, um, but Dan, we'll shelf that conversation for another time. Good. Because that conversation is not going away, clearly. No, and it's and and what Simmons brings up is 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 extremely interesting. And this uh, again, if you get a chance to listen to the BS report with Klosterman, who I love, um, they have a really good, interesting conversation about it. Uh, but I will say this: seeing Piazza on the Daily Show, hearing him today on with Mike Francesa, and just seeing the excerpts that I've seen, Brian, interesting strategy. Almost like revealing that he used Andro, he used ephedra, he used amphetamines, but each one he stopped using when they were illegal. Yes. And and Dan, uh, our buddy Nello wants to talk about this, and he's spot on. He says it's because of the integrity of the game. And that bothers me. I believe him. I believe him that he stopped. I believe he didn't do HGH. I really do. I believe that he didn't do hardcore anabolic steroids or, or the same sort of things that uh, Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds or you know those guys were doing. I do believe him. I just wish he would have said it was because of my health and not the integrity of the game. The integrity of the game or damaging the integrity of the game sounds really Hall of Fame-y to me. Well, it's 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 the whole court of public opinion, you know, perception becoming reality, and and he's not go- he might not get the benefit of the doubt when he says it like that. He might not get he's not, get the benefit of the doubt if he says for if his health. He, the way that he no right now the way that he has has portrayed this that he was more, he was concerned with the integrity of the game and people are going to be like eh, I don't know yeah people like me well you but you just said you don't believe you believe that he didn't take I do but that's not why <laughs> I, right. I I mean the, just him saying that I was concerned about the integrity of the game where it felt like it, it would have felt like cheating just feels a little Hall of Fame self-survey to me. That's all. Like well, if these, this book had come out three years ago. But, Steve, if if he was trying to be Hall of fame self-serving, don't you think he would have released this book back in November? Yeah, maybe. Because that's the thing. He really, he, 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 the book was supposed to come out in the fall, and he changed it. He didn't want it to have a bearing on whether or not he got into the Hall of right. Fame. Right. So he moved the, he moved the release date to after January. And this and it was speculated today on the radio that the reason why he did that was because or the reason why part of the reason why he didn't get voted into the Hall of Fame was because the writers 
didn't want to vote him into the Hall of Fame, and then he releases a book where he says he used steroids. Right. You know? So they kind of wanted to wait until what the book said, which might have cost him a lot of votes this year. Yeah, but I... Just speculation. Yeah, I think that's nonsense. I don't... I I understand. No, no, I know that speculation's out there. I, I... I just feel like... I don't know. I don't know how much I can trust that integrity thing. I believe him. I still believe him because what he says makes sense. And he said he used, you know, Andrew and he used things that were legal and he asked about HGH and he, and and he was told, well, that's not, you can't do that. And so he was like, Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Like he was told that's cheating. That's illegal. That's cheating. Can't do that. One of the interesting things that I read in the book and a lot of the speculation, it's so silly. It's because he had all of this uh, acne on his back. Yeah, the, the back acne, yeah. The back acne, back acne whatever you want back to call knee. it. Um, he addresses that early in the book and, and doesn't tie it to later in his career. Or maybe he does, I haven't gotten to it yet. But he brings up the fact that when he was in high school, he had it, right? He had this horrible acne on his back. And it's funny how he just kind of like casually puts it into the story. Well, that's uh, we had tons of friends who had that. Oh, yeah. Tons of friends in high school. Yeah. I mean, you go into our baseball locker room, it was nasty business with some guys, and they weren't using steroids. No. As far as I know, we should have been a much better baseball team if they were. Um, we weren't using the right ones. I mean, we were really good, but, you know, we we could have been state or something um state <laughs> hoosiers what, what did i just do there we could have gone to state oh johnny um <laughs> obviously every high school athlete's named johnny by the way right and where's the letterman jacket and where's the letterman jacket that's right <laughs> now you're getting into like old health films right. johnny you're the quarterback of the football team you don't want to try pot are you going, Johnny? You going to the pot party tonight? I told you about that, right? The greatest health film of all time. I don't know. We are still quoting that health film now from high school. I watched it. It was probably eighth grade. Why don't I remember that? Might have it might have even been uh, junior high, or maybe freshman year with uh, Stan Gasser. But um, there was a there was a health film from the seventies. It was so I think I've talked about it on the show. It was just so blatantly just racist, and it just had like the the token black guy, you know, black kid who was the bad seed. <laughs> and, and this line actually exists in the health film. It's like the classic quarterback of the football team, and they're trying to get him to smoke pot or whatever, and it's all peer pressure. And the black his black buddy comes up to him, uh, who's a tailback on the team, of course. Right. Yeah. And comes up to him. Hey, J- hey, hey, man, you going to the pot party tonight? He said just like that. Poor That's actor. how he said it. Oh, this poor actor, whoever he was, must have been directed to be like, here's the thing. You're a ridiculous stereotype. So if you could just really play that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, a, like a Bake McBride afro and picking his hair. It was just terrible. It was terribly stereotypical. And we took that with us. You could say that to Nello tomorrow. He'll start cracking up. 
You're the quarterback of the football team, Johnny. You want to go to the pot party tonight? That's how people used to talk. Go to the pot party. Uh, he said anyway, no, right? He did say no. He did say no. And so did we. Because of Johnny. Anyway, um, so last thing on Piazza, uh, and we'll talk more about it when you get further in the book, but he brought, he brings up an interesting dynamic of, well, you know, guys used amphetamines for years or whatever. Those clearly helped you play. How come that's okay? Like, those are performance-enhancing drugs. Um, but there's guys in the Hall of Fame with that. There's an entire era of players who use those, and they help them a ton. How come that's okay? And and the the argument is because those didn't help them topple records that were sacrosanct. Right. So, like, once you start breaking home run records and breaking uh, all-time fetid records through the use of performance enhancing drugs, then no good. Then we gotta we gotta put an end to this. As long as you don't do that, you're fine. You can pop as many greenies as you want. But this is this our conversation when we have it with Dan, I want to move on to Mariano Rivera real quick. Our conversation though when we have it with Dan is something that Simmons brought up as well. A big part of Simmons is, is you don't know who's clean and who's not, and I want to. Or does it matter? Does who wants, it even who matter wants to? Simmons wants to know? Right. Right. Or or does it even matter anymore? Like, does it matter who's clean and who's not? Can't we just appreciate what these guys are doing? Well, I ask you, does it matter to you? That, again, we I, I'm not sure. We really, or we're going to wait to have this conversation, right? But the other part of that conversation that I want to have is that we've touched on before is the difference between a performance-enhancing drug like an anabolic steroid that gives you strength, that makes Barry Bonds hit the ball five feet further or farther, not sure which, or HGH with healing or deer antler spray with healing properties or amphetamines to a lesser extent that keep you on the field of play. What's a bigger advantage? What's more cheating? Is it more, is, is it, is it cheating more to have uh, a performance enhancing drug that gives you strength and size, but you can't really quantify how much it's helping you hit a baseball. Or throw a baseball hard. You can't really measure it. Because there are probably tons of guys. I mean, this is why we hear about guys who get 50-game suspensions in the minor leagues that never do anything. Like, there's a certain amount of innate ability that you still need to have to hit a baseball. Right. And taking human growth hormone and being able to play after four weeks instead of after eight. Or extending your career five years when Boy, that. think about that because yeah, exactly you know you got you got a career that you're gonna last you're gonna play ten years fifteen years whatever you're gonna play and then you can take something that means you can make another ten million dollars a year for five years totally no the money the money's there but I'm talking about. It, 
on the field, like the advantage on the field. That's right, affecting the competitive oh, okay. balance oh. of the game. Okay. What's giving you? What's giving your team a greater advantage? The fact that Barry Bonds can hit a ball five feet further than he could five years ago, or the fact that Andy Pettit can pitch for you, can actually play when he wouldn't have been able to four weeks earlier than he was supposed to. What's more cheating? What's cheating more? What's more with the cheating? Please tell me how to say that. What is more of an advantage? What's a big cheat? <laughs> I don't we're know. Gonna talk, we're we're going to talk about that. We're okay. going to talk about that. Well, let's... Uh... But Piazza, really, let's work on the hair. That's it's he's a ridiculous person. Oh, it's tough to watch. He just Dan described it perfectly. I've never seen it. It's the modern day Ben Franklin. He's got a receding hairline and then he grew it long over the ears and it comes down like to his neck. If you if you put Monica like, you know, little specks on him, he's he's from Philly. I'm so used to to, you know, like Mike Piazza, wow, what a cool guy. <laughs> There's nothing cool. He came across well that whole interview. He just he was like a little giggly schoolgirl a lot. Hey, hey, hey. I Watch just, who you're calling a schoolgirl, all right? He was giggly. He dispelled those myths. Yes, he I did. did love what he said about the, the homosexuality. If I was going to be gay, I would have been gay. <laughs> Well, no, what he said about that made a total um, total sense to me. Like, I'm going to go through all this trouble, like this much trouble, to... to like, you live a fake life just right. to perpetuate... And not just, it, it's not just live a fake life. He's not like a guy in the suburbs with a beard and a wife. I mean, that's a fake life in New York. Like, that's hard. Right, he's one of, like, the the top... 20 most famous people in the entire city. Right. And it's not going to get found out. And it's not, you know, there's, you know, like he said, like, if I was going to do it, I would have just been gay. Like, I'm in New York. I might as well. I I don't know. I I had no problem with that. It's just weird. It's weird, though, because he does. He does say that, like, the rumor was kind of started by a a couple of former teammates. And yeah. I saw which, he doesn't, which he doesn't reveal. He doesn't say who no. the teammates are, but... Jealousy. I could see that as being jealousy. I suppose. I, I could see that being jealousy. I also, you know, he got heat, of course, from certain media members here in New York for addressing that directly and never addressing the rumors and innuendo about his steroid use. Right. And And to that I say... Well, of course he did. It was a direct accusation. It was a news article. I mean, it was it was he held a press conference to say no, he's not gay to re- to refute a story that said he was gay. He was never on any list. He was never in any book. He was never in anything for PED use. What's he going to do? It's going to look awfully suspicious if he holds a press conference out of nowhere to dispute rumors and innuendo. Which he did, you know. When he never, when did he when did he hold a press conference to say I, I never used steroids? Oh, that he didn't. No, that's what I'm saying. 
with the with the homosexual thing, with the gay thing, he held a press conference because it was a direct accusation. It was in a news article. That's why he addressed it. It was in the paper. He's gay. So he held a press conference and said, I'm not gay. Because Carton, Carton tried to make this whole point, Cal, that like I would think that you would hold a press conference and tell everybody you didn't use steroids before you do you know you did it when you you know you were accused of being gay what's the big deal there but you never did it with steroids that's because he was never directly accused and he wasn't doing it right right well there's that as it turns out right like what are you going to do hold a press conference to say something? i mean if you hold a press conference to say i'm not doing steroids in response to rumor innuendo and suggestion it's going to look a lot like you're doing steroids like Alex Rodriguez. Boom. I see what stay, you're stay away, Rod. <laughs> That's my favorite. Hey, Mo Rivera might be retiring count. Might not be. We don't know. Ooh, he's so coy. I have no idea what to make of this Yankee team. What I do, I know two things right now. And I wanted to hear what you think of this. One, I have... It's been a long time since I've heard Yankee fans, Mike Francesa included, hedge their bets as much as they are with this team. Against them maybe not being good. It's like Francesa, like a month ago, they went from, look, they're going to be a 95-win team, to it's the first time in a long time they may not be favored to win the East. or No, no, may not be favored to win the American League. Two, it's the first time in a long time they may not even be favored to win the American League East. Like it's it's gone, it's gone down, uh, and they're they're just totally hedging their bets against this team being very bad. Do you think it's because the Blue Jays are so improved, or do you think it's because the Yankees are old? Uh, I think it's because the Blue Jays are much improved. The Orioles did what they did last year. The Rays are the Rays uh, and going to be competitive and because they're old. And because they lost Nick Swisher, they replaced him with Ichiro, like a 39-year-old Ichiro. Do you love that lineup? No, you can't. I mean, does that lineup scare the pants off you anymore? You know what What does scare me is the fact that Robinson Cano is heading into a contract year. He's probably going to have a ridiculous year. Right. Um, and Euclid scares me. Yeah, he could be good. Did you hear him today? Yeah. How, you know, I'm looking forward to playing with the Yankees, but I'm always going to be a Red Sox. I'm always going to be a Red Sox. Somebody tackle him. <laughs> he can't. Hey, Euke, buddy. You're not the, did you see the, the the media notes before you started talking? Bad idea, jeans. Anybody anybody slip you slip you any sort of any sort of press packet things not to say? Well, here you go. How what in the world would the reaction have been if? Oh God, I guess it's Sean Markham. If Sean Markham would have come out and said, you know, I'm really looking forward to pitching for the Mets this year, but I got to tell you, I'm always going to be a Blue Jay. Or a brewer, or whatever. Uh, well, the only problem is the Mets only signed one major league player. Well, that's, I couldn't think of who it was. Right. No, I would say what would have happened if Tom Glavin, when he came... Oh, wait, he did. He did. 
Wait, he what's did. that now? He did. Oh, he did he, say he'll always be a brave. He's Never a brave. Mind. Yeah. Um, and then this Mo Rivera thing is just funny. Will he or won't he? Like it, it's so very out of character for him. No, but it's not. He's been he's done well, that. I know. For I mean, I know he years. did it. I mean, over. I mean, out of character overall. Like okay. he doesn't see. Like I know he's done this a few times, and it seems like the one part of his character that's like a little impish. Like he's like the the most uh, one of the most well thought of athletes to ever play a professional sport in this town. His reputation is sterling, sterling, and this shouldn't have a huge influence or, or impact on it. But it's just funny that like the this is a couple years in a row now he's like like I was listening to the press conference I was cracking up. I know when I'm going to retire, but I'm not telling you. And he does it. He he. Every time he does it, he's, he's playing got this with him. He's totally grin on his face. I know. I love it. He's totally playing with them. Yep. Which and and they eat it up. They laugh oh, it up. Oh yeah, yeah. My my point with this with Rivera is, and I, what I wanted to ask you was, outside of Jeter. Is there another athlete in New York that could get away with doing what he's doing? He's really like laughing at the media. And they and they lap it up. Is there another athlete in New York you think you could get away with that right now? Eli? Can Eli get away with that? I don't think so. He's He's the only one that I think might be able to. And what I'm saying is that... that, that Carmelo Anthony might be able to. Maybe. No, he'd get called out on it. He'd get called out on it. You think so? It's a game. He's totally playing a game with them. That's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're like, they're like, he's got such a sterling reputation. They're like, oh, Mariano. You're so funny. You know who wouldn't get called? Rex Ryan wouldn't get called out on it. Oh, gosh. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Rex Ryan playing a game like this with the media? Uh, I can. I, it was when he dressed up as Rob Ryan. Right. Well, everybody loved that, Cal. They were winning. Oh, they were winning. That's right. He was yeah. He was brash and irreverent at the time. It was hilarious. Uh, well. Please, we're not talking about the Jets. Another couple episodes. Not right. That's right. And you know what? And you know what? Guess what? I haven't heard a peep out of them. No. Since Itzik was hired, I haven't heard a peep. Good. He's evaluating. It's magnificent. He's doing what he should be doing. It was like it's been like two and a half weeks of like oh wow, hip hip hurrah. Hey, you gonna watch the All Star game this week? And there's an All Star game. Ah, that's my point. The NBA All Star game is this weekend. Oh. oh, I had a great debate with the guys at work. NBA debate. Uh, again, this is the only reason I talk NBA is those guys at work. My buddies Eusebio and and. Uh, you know, X, the FedEx guy. Right, the Lake, he's a Lakers fan, right? And Eusebio's a, a Lakers guy. X oh. is like a Bulls fan. Oh, okay. But he's an NBA fan. My buddy Marcus NBA, is a Lakers fan. Now we got a new guy, started a couple months ago, uh, who's a huge Knicks fan. So there's only one thing Eusebio loves to do more than watch the Lakers is kill the Knicks. <laughs> kill the Knicks. And he just they they're just on each other every day, and I just hear it. I'm just in earshot, and every day, almost every day, they'll say something 
And they'll look at, like, look to my desk. Like, Cal, I'm probably, like, 10 feet away from them, 12 feet away from them, to my right. So, like, my desk is here. They're over there to my right in a row of desks or whatever. And as I've said before, my office is a bullpen. Right. It's up to be so wide open so that the departments can talk to each other. But we're sort of away from the – as away from the phrase you can get. And every once in a while, they'll say something to each other and look at me to see if I'm going to jump in. <laughs> because it may just be something that even Sam Pete, who don't uh, – and I'm quoting – don't know nothing about the NBA. <laughs> Have to jump in on that one. And they got me today because we were talking about, Eusebio was talking about the Knicks and the Heat and the Heat just not being as good as, as, and LeBron not being this or whatever. And I said, I said, you have to take a, I jumped in. I had no choice. It's like, he's doing something that's ridiculous. LeBron James, ridiculous. Uh, like a, what is it over his last like ten Six. twelve games he's got like a seventy six percent shooting percentage or something ridiculous. Yeah, like it was like six games in a row of thirty or more points, and in each of those six games it was over seventy five percent field goal. Right, right, and he's not Shaq sitting under the hoop and just jamming at home. Now he's driving no. much more or whatever, and he's scoring a lot more from inside the paint, but. He's still he's not he's not standing there in the low post waiting to be fed the ball and just jamming at home. And what he's doing is ridiculous. Yeah. And then it came up, magic came up. Because then Eusebio had to throw magic into the equation. Well he ain't magic. Took him, you know, six years to get his championship or whatever. I said, Hold on right there. I said, Magic was drafted to the Lakers. Look at that team. LeBron, he won his first year. Well, LeBron was drafted to the Cavs. <laughs> and Mar- Marcus threw in, yeah, well, like Danny Ferry. <laughs> like, which we don't know if Danny, we don't think Danny Ferry was there, but we just wanted to say Danny Ferry. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Magic went to the Lakers with Kareem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he played all five positions in the championships. I mean, we get all that. But LeBron could do that. He's not magic yet, Cal, but he's on his way. Um, I think he might be magic. Well, he's got to get like five championships, Cal. Well, status-wise, yes, but as a player, he's just as oh, good he's, as Magic Johnson ever was. He, I don't say that in my office, my friend. These guys will cut you too, by the way. <laughs> Lakers schmakers, they don't like that, right? right. Uh. Yeah, no, we had a we had a great conversation today just about magic and you know and Eusebio he had to give it to me. I'd say you you know you're probably right. That's the player he most resembles. I said Magic's an all time top five, maybe top ten player of all time, easily. I said LeBron's not that yet. I said, but when he's done, he will be. Without a doubt. And he the player he to me he most reminds me of is Magic. Because he can play the one, the two, the three. He could probably give you minutes at center if you needed them. He's that good. Oh, yeah. And who is beating them in the East? I guess we'll see. And who's beating them overall? Oak City, maybe. But they smoked Oak City last year in the finals. And if he's playing like that, nobody's beating them. So, NBA All-Star game, I say... Every night that LeBron plays is an NBA All-Star game. 
You know, for four years, or however long we've been doing the show, I've been dying to have the All-Star game conversation. <laughs> and and, and can, we're out of time. And I can never get, I can never find a way to bring it up. We got to go to the fun load. No, I know. I'm just, that's why that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> because I think there's so much, there's so much to talk about with all-star games and what they used to be and how we looked forward to them and how awesome they used to be. And now they're just, you know, they're practically irrelevant. You know what? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we're going to do. All right. I'm going to make a commitment here. I'm going to get you on the hook for this. The All-Star Game is at City Field this year. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game is at City Field this year in July. We're going to have this conversation later in the summer. I'm very excited about the City Field All-Star Game. Okay, but we're going to talk about it then. I've already been made fun of for being very excited about the City Field All-Star Game. We're going to talk I, think about you, I don't think you could put the Baseball All-Star Game, though, in the same category. But the... In the I'm putting it in the same category as all-star games because it's part of a bigger conversation. I see. Right? Well, we, we've set up two very big shows in this episode. This is like a very good – this is like episode four of a season. Right. This is like – stay tuned because things are going to get good. A, this, lot of good. a lot of good stuff in this one? Eh, it may be, but it was much more for the <laughs> – F you. It's more for the <laughs> This is our Valentine's Day episode. That's true. This one this one is for the romantics out there. Yeah, I mean this is this is gotta we need some wacky hijinks from Valentine's Day. How about the how about the Valentine's Day sitcom episode? We should have done this one from the love boat. We should have done this one from the love boat. Right? Can we do that? Featuring Bobby Valentine. So I should have been Charo. Right, and you you should have been uh, uh, Lou oh, Ross. <laughs> You'll never find right, Bobby. Val- I was thinking about it. Got Bobby Valentine, Corey Hart, Corey Hart, Kevin Love. They all could they all could have come by. They all could have come on the love boat. That's right. right. It's the Good Valentine's call. Day episode of RTU. Corey Hart, Gavin I McLeod, see what you did. Frankie Cupid. Wait, that might be that might be a player I made up. I don't think that that person. I don't think that I don't think Frankie Cupid. Yeah, let's go to the fun load. It's time for the fun load. It is time for the fun load. I love when it's time for the fun load. Everybody, I mean, everybody's doing it. You do it. We all do it. Charo, <laughs> Lou Rawl. <laughs> I just I can still see the like the. You know, the graphics like right, from the, the opening with, credits. Right, it's the wheel. <laughs> with the, the life preserver. Like the, it's like the wheel of the boat. Oh, that's, that's right. And then the anchor comes and washes it away. And then you see the next... Uh, usually, it's the shot from behind. And then they turn around and look at the and camera. And then they turn around and look at the camera. Yes. Something like that. PJ, I yeah, need... the to... anchor was the wipe. The video wipe. Right. right. Before we get into the fun load, give me three Love Boat uh, guests. Eric Estrada. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Come on. Oh, me? All, all three for me? Yeah, you're going around the room. No, you're giving us three. Okay, sorry. Uh, Eric Estrada, Sally Struthers, before she put <laughs> on the weight. 
so early. Right. <laughs> and uh, Ernest Borgnine. Ah, uh, Ernie Borgnine. That's oh, boy. the gentleman on the cruise. That's him. <laughs> Wearing white pants. What's, give, me, give me a quick Ernie Borgnine uh, storyline. What do we got? Oh, he's the widower. When he bought the tickets, his wife was alive. But now she's dead, and he's taking his granddaughter, and wow. he's just happy because it's the first time she fell in love. This is a, this is all worthwhile. Is what? His granddaughter, Valerie Bertinelli? Why not? Okay, Christy so McNichol. I just, I just brought up Christy a, McNichol. Christy McNichol. Christy McNichol is much more precocious. I just brought up a list of the Love Boat guest stars. Oh. <laughs> Why? Okay. Wow. First of all, it's monstrous. Of course, because every episode had 12. Right. It is I mean, it's alphabetical, and there's like 20 for each. Could they make a show this expensive now? No, no chance. Well, they made, they made Lost. Yeah, but Lost didn't have 17 guest stars what? every week. No, but it had... Looney was on the island. But it had the special effects of Titanic. Just in that first episode. Just, yeah, that's true. You know what? Was Studio 60 was like that. That's why it went oh, away. Yeah. Because it was too expensive to pay the people on it. It only cost give you... $10 million five a week. To right. Pay. Right. Let me just give you a couple of the A's. Okay? A couple of the A's. Willie Ames. Ames. Yes. <laughs> That's correct. I didn't even look. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Aiken. Claude Aiken. Eddie Albert. Of course, uh, Eddie Albert. Debbie Allen, Kirstie Alley. You're going to tell me Lonnie Anderson wasn't on there? Wait, I'm I'm at the ALs. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how many there are. Weird Al, Don Amici, John Amos. We were just talking about Don Amici. Or as or as Teresa calls him, the what did she call John Amos the other day? 20? Oh no, she no no she got it right. John Amos is the father on Good Times. Mr. Evans. Right. I thought she... I thought John Amos? John... No, John Amos. Amos. We're in the A's. Amos. John Stamos in the strangest crossover episode of Good ever. <laughs> uh, we have about 90 seconds left in the live show, so let's just do this. Uh, thanks to Blue Haven, of course, the sponsor of this episode. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com. Uh, check them out. Get down there in the West Village, the Village on Houston. And the corner of House and then Thompson, check them out. And of course, uh, our buddy uh, Mark Finney, his film is almost done. Go to Facebook and search Fat the Film, Fat the Movie, and you can go like the page. Please check out our website, www.rtusports.com. Uh, it's really just a repository for all our episodes, but it's a great place to get them. You can get them in uh, Windows form or uh, MP3 form, and you can also subscribe to the podcast there. And uh, that's it. We'll be live again next Thursday night with episode 129. Okay, so uh, moving on. Dude, dude, stop. You're what? talking like Marin. Stop it. What? 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 Lonnie you're Anderson? Doing, you're doing his entire cadence. you got to cut it out or stop listening I... to that show. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You Adam Arkin. We'll have this argument tomorrow now. Why is it an argument, first of all? 
because you're going to fight me. Therefore, and it's an argument. All, I'm not fighting. All right. Frankie Avalon, B. Arthur. He's the B. Best. Arthur. No, I wait. Not I don't B. Arthur. Think he's Arthur. Nope. Wow. She would never do that program. <laughs> because she had never found love. Oh, ma. Maybe Ed she Bagley, had done. Ed Bagley Jr. and Shari Belafonte. Shari Belafonte, that's right. Scott Bayo and Jimmy Bayo. Oh, Jimmy Bayo, what happened? What Adrian, happened, Jimmy? Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith Baxter, before she was even Bernie. Now she's back to Meredith Baxter. Yeah, David Norton had to be on there. Who's that? David Norton. Yeah, that's how we should do this. You guys just throw out guys to me, and I'll tell you if they were on or I'll not. Bet you on there. <laughs> Check the list. Check the list. Hasselhoff. What's the other cop from uh, from Chips, the one who's not Estrada? David Norton was definitely on. Uh, Mark Thomas Baker? No. Uh, Mark Lynn Baker, was he on? Perhaps. Let's take a look. <laughs> Balky Bartokamus? Uh... No, Mark Lynn Baker. Diane Baker. Oh. Actually, Baker was uh, the other cop on Chip's name on the show. Right. Was it, it was Wilcox was the name? Larry Wilcox. Yeah. Bingo, Larry, bango. Larry Wilcox. Absolutely was on. Jimmy Walker. You're Robert Yurk. Oh, there he is. Oh, oh PJ's guy. PJ's going to get excited again. Look, Yurik is great. Bob Yurik. He was on, yes. There's only two U's that were ever on the show. Leslie Uggams. Yes! <laughs> wow. Cal just won the internet. He did. He did. <laughs> He's the internet champion of the night. I swear, I swear I'm not looking. Cal just beat Wikipedia. Oh, Fred Travelina. <laughs> okay, Peach, what do you got for us? Why is Don Pardo announcing the love book? I don't know. He announces everything. You can yell at me tomorrow for the Marin thing. I've listened to 350 WTFs. Are you surprised that I somehow had the same cadence? Did you? Uh, you love it. You love that man. I uh, I have a thing for him. Telly Savalas, was he on the love boat? He was of never on course. the boat. Come on. Telly Savalas, of course he was. Yes. I'm not I don't even need to look that one up. Right. <laughs> Isabel Sanford. <laughs> that's a scoop of vanilla scoop of chocolate type challenge. Yeah, that's right that's there. that's a no that's a no brainer. Elkie Summer. Oof. He's beautiful. Modon. Uh Peach, what do you got for us? In the uh what is it, two questions? Is that what it's called? Two questions. Two questions. So you get a you get a you, you get a call in, you get a surprise guest, right? The guest is, let's say, Martin Scorsese. Wow! You can only ask him two questions. Oh, what would they be? Oh, I and know obviously that. you know you don't want to be run of the mill like. You ever going to do a sequel to Goodfellas? You know, I mean, you, you you wouldn't do that. These are two oh. questions you would ask. Specifically of Martin Scorsese? I'm going to start with Martin Scorsese. Oh, okay. And, and you don't want to, and you, uh, you obviously don't want to be like Chris Farley on the Chris Farley show. 
All right. Remember when you did... You, you remember in Goodfellas when you right. said you you're funny? You definitely don't want to do that. I mean, I mean you can, but you know he's not going to call back. That I, got, awesome. I, got, I got my two. Who you got? Question number one. Who is the actor or actress that you never worked with that you always wish you had? Mm. Wow. Question number two. Very strong start. Question number two. I I did not see that coming. Who is the actor or actress that you have worked with that you wish you hadn't? Wow. Wow. Is that how you would ask them? Is that the timber you would use? Yes, exactly like that. You got to lean on the words like that. You wish you hadn't. Like John Houseman. Full of regret. John Houseman had to be on the love boat, too. Well, that's creepy. No one wants that. John no Houseman. No one wants him to find love. I don't. You remember John Houseman? Of course, I remember John Houseman. The paper chase. I would just think that uh, the love boat was above, uh, was below him, beneath him. Yeah, he's a, he's an aristocrat who's uh, on a cruise to the Greek Isles. Did the love, where did the love boat go? Did it go to the Greek Isles? Where, wherever you, where you, wherever it found love. Where to Vallarta? Hello. Where to Vallarta? Where to Vallarta? That's right. <laughs> I remember wondering where this strange and magical land was. This Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> where is this Puerto Vallarta? And it was always, you always, the, you always had the person. We'll be docking in Puerto Vallarta for forty-five minutes. Forty-five <laughs> minutes in Puerto Vallarta. Hey, that was somebody's voiceover job right there. Yeah, that was a gig for somebody. Fortune. That's right. What are your questions, Steve? Uh, no, we, I need a new celebrity. I'm not going to ask Scorsese. Oh. I mean, we're done with Scorsese. You killed it. You knocked it out of the park. What am I going to possibly say now? Uh, and if that actor was... Uh, <laughs> if the moon was made of cheese. <laughs> That's interesting. So if Scorsese called, and, and uh, if Cal came with those questions, you'd back off. I would back off. I you, you know you would have to say. There'd be nothing left to say. <laughs> no, you, you would. I, I think you'd find something to say to Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese? You don't Scorsese, do you Scorsese. listen to WTF with Mark Maron? <laughs> <laughs> I got to recommend it. It's really good. Did you listen to the Mel Brooks WTF? <laughs> <laughs> would you ever do WTF with Mark Maron? <laughs> That's definitely one of my questions, by the way. That's what you could say anybody, Peach. No matter who you bring to this conversation, one of my questions is, will you do WTF with Mark Will you be doing WTF? I have to recommend it. It's so good. And if you're not, will you do more stories with Jay Moore then? (laughs) You like Joe Rogan? (laughs) I don't care for Joe Rogan, by the way. Okay, so what, what uh, what if Piazza calls? How about that? Okay. Wow. And I have two questions for Piazza. Minkia. Um, okay. I like question. how you're sweating this, too. This is good. It's good that you're sweating it. Question number one. Is there a list that could come out that would be ruinous to you? And this is not, you know, this is not some enchanted challenge where he has to answer what you're asking him. 
I'm just saying you're going to roll the dice. I just want to know. Okay. What you think is worth? I might while. not. I might not have the 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 the, the stones to ask him that one. By the way. Okay, you might back <laughs> off. I might back off. Yeah, okay. I want. Yeah, this is so, this is not magic. This this would be for real, these. Okay, my other question would be: you you um, used <laughs> you had a number of facial hair styles uh, throughout your career. <laughs> uh, do you? Can you tell me a little about how you chose what you were going with, whether it was the frosted tips in the hair or the the wow. prison style goatee? Can you just take it right to him? I like that. Can you shed some light on your facial hair choices? So that <laughs> that you'd have the stones to ask. <laughs> that I'd be okay with. That's oh, correct. Fair enough. How about you? Uh, your your two questions. I would not ask him two questions after you. <laughs> wow. Um, I, think, I think we'll have had it then. That'll be when Mike says, uh, good night, guys. Thanks. All right. Got to go. Glad I Thanks. called in, and uh, good Click. luck with the show. Right. I won't be listening back. Okay, Peach, uh how about you now? I have no questions for Mike Piazza. Sorry. <laughs> no, what no. would I ever want to ask Mike Piazza? So we have... Uh, I got one yeah. for you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. All right, PJ. Prince calls into the show. We're getting Prince as a guest on the RTU. Right. Oh, By the way, greatest RTU ever. <laughs> far and away. <laughs> this is our night of a thousand stars. Right. Maybe the greatest podcast ever. <laughs> Prince, who never talks even when he's in person, yeah. is now going to call into a podcast. What do you ask him? Tell me how you put down a demo. Tell me how it's done. When you when you it. sit in a room and you have a recorder, I want to know. I want to know his process. Okay, it's a great question. Fantastic question. That would be. And and, and your follow up. And my follow up is. Two questions. Assuming, question. I'm going to assume slight rapport. Okay. If, I, if I could get him to talk on the first one, the right. second question would be, what made you think you could be in a movie? Wow. <laughs> wow. Was that, was that hubris? Was that someone whispering in your ear, do movies? Wow. Are you trying to be a triple, quadruple threat? How do we make the Prince RTU happen, tr- by the way? Would that, right. be like a tw- would that be someone with 12 talents? A triple, right. quadruple threat? <laughs> right. You know, it's exponential. One, one number of uh, exponent of the other. He does everything. It's like you get to nine. It's like juggling. Right. Uh, He's an expert at playing Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous knife skills. Uh, Ken, Ken Julianne <laughs> He can do that all... You put your hand on the table And you stab at your fingers But you don't hit your fingers Right Like number number 11 Is like knows all the words To end of the world As we know it by R.E.M. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Supremely wow. talented That is That guy's a threat I'll tell you that much Alright now what What if it's someone who calls Who you don't necessarily care for Like what if Lindsay Lohan calls 
No. You get to ask her two questions. Would you put her through? I would. <laughs> that would be hilarious. You wouldn't believe me. If I, I feel bad. I feel bad for the low. I feel bad for the low hand. Well, I that's, do. That's kind of endearing, now, isn't it? So, where would you go? I think my first question would be: If you could somehow, or do you ever wish you could have a career without everything that goes with it? In other words, or, or the better way to put it would be: If you could start all over again, would you just have never, never? gone into acting and never done it because of all the things that go along with it. Mm. Like, would you have been satisfied with just, you know, doing doing community theater or something like that? Or, you know, like, can you ever foresee a time where the reward of acting will ever justify uh, the life you lead? That's a decent question. Thanks. Thanks. You're and not then my bad. second my second question would be I like you. Oh. No, it wouldn't. That would be my would first be, question. Do you ever I would think like a guy like me, you know. <laughs> a sweet guy, nice guy. <laughs> Suddenly you're Dom DeLuise in in Fatso. Right. <laughs> or or you're Han Solo. I don't know. You think a princess and a guy like me. Cal, I would let you have the second question then with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, Ms. Lohan, in your opinion, what what do you think you do worse, sing or act? Oh. <laughs> Click. And... Do you even get dial tone anymore when people hang up? I think That's a movie faux pas that drives me crazy when people hang up the cell phone and you hear the dial tone. <laughs> it's right up there with the microphone feeding back for no inexplic- or for no reason. Okay, a call from the dead. Ready for the call Uh-oh. from the dead? John Lennon calls. Oh my gosh. I think we should each take a quarter of a question here. I don't think it's fair for one of us to have all two questions here. Well, I mean he's dead, so he's not he's never where to be. We could each ask two questions, right? <laughs> he's got nowhere to Mr. Lennon. You've clearly got nowhere to be. <laughs> you got time for six questions? <laughs> what are you to doing? Zoom on your time. Uh, my first question would be, oh boy, <laughs> yikes! Mm. It would be, uh, what do you? Yeah, and this is like a cop-out question, but I, I would ask it for a genuine answer. Would the, do you think the Beatles would have ever reunited? Ah, come on! That was that was what I was going to ask if he would have seen himself playing with Paul McCartney ever again. Not well, just, they were all they were all alive when. Yeah, <laughs> when, but I didn't. Yeah, but I I just wanted to know about the two of them. You just care about Paul. <laughs> hey, hey, PJ, what would you ask, John? Would you sigh first? Yeah, well, this may be yet another one of those instances where PJ would just start getting choked up. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be able to make it through there. 
I I probably wouldn't make it through. It would be a halting sort of, you know, I just want you to know that it meant a lot to a 12-year-old kid. I need a minute. It would it'd be a mess. Which is why I don't have my own show. <laughs> well, if you if you did, there would be no danger of John Lennon being on it. <laughs> That's true. So I think uh, I think you'd be okay. We, what, we what would be so dangerous that about mind, that, boys? Well, uh, there would be nothing dangerous about it. <laughs> uh oh, John Lennon might be on this show. All right, boys. With Donnie Osmond. that song? Is it Paul Anka? Close. Oh, um, contemporary. Neil Sedaka. Close. Jack Jones. Yes. The answer is Jack Jones. Very Jack good. Jones. Julie Newmar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting together a fantastic... This is our episode. You ready? I'm putting together our episode. Cheryl Teague with, with Mickey Rooney. Rosemary. 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 Oh, that's spectacular, man. Donna Pascal. Mary Pearl. Phil Silver. <laughs> Danny Terrio. Adam West. Welcome aboard is love. Oh, I forgot and, that line. And Ephraim Zimblish Jr. <laughs> Greatest love boat ever. Out of sight. <laughs> Jimmy Walker is not on this love boat. Oh, that was that was Isaac. Oh, that was Isaac. My bad. And I blew it. <laughs> Yo, that's racist, I man. That's racist when you say it like that. Exactly. All right, let's wrap. By the way, I love two questions. Let's bring that back another time. No problem. That's awesome. PJ, final note. All right, I'm going to go back to the uh, uh, album recommend. Please. Okay, the album I'm going to recommend is uh, an, it's called an alternate take Beatles album. I told you about this the other day. They yeah. take Beatles albums in their entirety and they preserve the track order, but they replace the tracks with alternate takes or second takes or demos or live cuts. So, like the, the alternate Abbey Road has has like a demo of Come Together followed by a live cut of of you know Here Comes the Sun. Well, actually, that doesn't preserve the track order, but you get what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> I can't remember the second thought. Um, and they're just amazing, and everything sounds so fresh. Um, it's just fascinating to listen to. And I picked up Rubber Soul and Abbey Road, and they have at least four others like that. I, you can get them in, in a record store. Go back to a record store, people. I can't say this enough. Get a record. Get a CD. Come on. Stop it. I'm done. Cal Final on that. What's a record store? Shut up. <laughs> no, my final unload is uh, 
Welcome to the 2013 baseball season. Pitchers and catchers reporting all over Florida this week, and the hope springs eternal mantra always rings true this time of year. I'm, I'm really looking forward to baseball, so welcome back, baseball. And my final unload is uh, on, believe it or not, the Olympics. I, I read somewhere this week that uh, they're going to do away with wrestling in the Olympics. Travesty. They're going to take wrestling out of the Olympics. Just just think about that for a second. Wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, out of the Olympics. They do know where the Olympics started, right? In and I assume, I assume they're going to replace it with, like, longboard skateboarding or something the Greeks really probably had in mind during the first Olympiad. So seriously, okay, of all the events to replace in the Olympics, can you leave the one that was in the first Olympics in, please? I mean, okay. That's it. Uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, special thanks to the Love Boat uh, for providing laughs and uh, and for us for referencing uh, 1977 through 84. 77 through 84. Harrington! <laughs> Flip Wilson Paul they're watching the love boat You want to watch He, does, he doesn't want to watch Good night everybody Happy birthday Allison Happy birthday Danny Bye everybody <laughs>